Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. This is Money and me. We go beyond the headlines with the perspective of some great investors. Today, Arun Pai joins us live. He's Chief Strategy Officer at Flow. What are we going to take a look at? Well, we're going to look at Michael Burry, one of the first investors to profit from the subprime mortgage crisis, who's revealed a half a billion dollar short position against Tesla. So is this another big short in the making? Locally based C owns e-commerce platform Shopee and game developer Garena. It's reported a net loss of some 422 million US dollars for the quarter and at March 31st. So what are C's prospects? And um, how is it that C's revenue has doubled but its net loss up 50%? What are the company's prospects moving forward? How does an investor look at the key numbers? Also, GameStop and AMC Entertainment got off to different starts early trading yesterday morning, but there's been raucous social media chatter around both equities. Just before the opening bell is another short squeeze brewing. And then here at home, we take a look at Singapore Airlines. It's a tough headline, isn't it? SIA Group reporting a net loss of $4.27 billion for the financial year ended March 31st after its toughest year in history. It is the second straight year of losses for SIA. We take a look at the key numbers for SIA's Annus Horribilis with Arun Pai, Chief Strategy Officer at Flow. How's Thursday looking for you, Arun? Good morning. Looking pretty good so far, Michelle. The sun is uh, shining bright. Uh, let's see how the rest of the week goes. Oh, that's good to hear. All right, let's get your reading on Michael Burry taking on Tesla Arun. So, for the listener, Michael Burry has revealed in a regulatory filing a short position against Tesla worth more than half a billion dollars. Burry was one of the first investors to call and profit from the subprime mortgage crisis. Now, as of 31st of March, according uh, to regulatory filings, Burry owned some 8,001 put contracts of unknown value, strike price or expiry. Shares of Tesla fell more than 4% on Monday. Its month-to-date losses nearly 20%. A Burry you can read more about in Michael Lewis's book, The Big Short. I think you mentioned Burry shorts before, haven't you? Indeed. So what do you think about him taking on Tesla? Is this another big short in the making? So first of all, you know, Michael Burry has been short Tesla for quite a while. Uh, Even in like you know, mid-2020, he was saying this company is extremely overpriced, kind of similar to what I was doing too. But uh, the difference being that I had to get, you know, I got stopped out, which basically means I was short the stock. The share price rallied from, you know, mid-2020 levels of anywhere between 200 to $350. It went up all the way close to like 900 right? And that's precisely the problem when you deal with uh, outright shorting of a stock. Your losses can technically be infinite because the share price can go to infinity, basically. Right. What Michael Burry has done right now, and you know, it, it makes great headlines t- mentioning that he's shorting like $500 million worth of Tesla. Mm-hmm. He's not done that, right? As you correctly mentioned, what he has done is he's purchased 8,000 give or take put contracts. 
which basically means it's the equivalent of 800,000 shares because one put contract basically means, uh, you know, 100 shares. It's a multiplier of 100. But what a put option provides you is the ability to sell the underlying share at a certain price. So that doesn't mean that he's bought put contracts at a strike price of 550 or $600 or something. He could have spent as little as, you know, 2% or 5% of that amount of $500 million by buying put contracts that could be a strike price of as low as like $100, but with an expiry of three to four years, which basically means that, you know, his if he wants to monetize his view that Tesla is going to go bankrupt, then, you know, getting into a put contract with a strike, strike price of, say, like $100 or $200, something very far, quote-unquote, out of the money, is a much cheaper way of getting exposure rather than just doing the outright selling. The problem, obviously, though, with an option purchase is what is the tenor of the option? Because, you know, Tesla could go bankrupt after, say, a couple of years. I'm not saying that it will, but I'm saying even if it does go bankrupt in, say, like two or three years, but your put option expiry is only, say, six months or one year, then you don't monetize. You don't, you don't monetize that uh, position. And that's exactly the problem dealing with option trading vis-a-vis what Michael Burry did when he made a truckload of money getting, you know, from the big short, which is like back in the mortgage crises. That's when he was doing swaps and he was buying protection against a basket of mortgage securities potentially whose value potentially is dropping down to zero. So that's the big difference in the, the, what he's been doing right now vis-a-vis what he did during the great big short. Okay, so it's long puts against around 800,000 shares of Tesla. And, and we don't know how, in terms of time frame, he plans to monetize this. That's right. It could be something where he's taking a quick stab mm. where he thinks the share price might drop by, say, another 30-40% over the next three months. And he could be buying, say, like a $400 uh, strike price worth of a put option. So as and when, you know, based on just very top-level option math, and I don't mean to bore your audience by this, but the longer the expiry of the put, the more money you have to spend in buying the optionality. Right, which is kind of intuitive because if you want to keep an option for a longer period of time, you should be compensating the buyer, uh, the seller of the put option in this case. You should be compensating him for that time value. And obviously the strike price really, you know, it, it, it's a massive causal effect of what the put option price will be depending on what the strike price is. The strike price basically just means that the share price of Tesla has to drop below that strike price before Michael Burry can start earning money. Mm-hmm. So very simply, a $100 strike. So currently Tesla is trading at like $550, give or take. A put option uh, with a strike price of $100 with a three-month expiry will be extremely cheap. Because, you know, what are the odds that Tesla will basically drop by 80% in value mm-hmm. over the next three months? So this aspect of, you know, like being short $500 million worth of Tesla stock is not true. He's not short, at least based on the quarterly filings, as far as I could read, he's not short, like naked short, any amount of Tesla shares. Primarily because he's also been burnt from 2020, mid-2020s, 
when he's been shorting the stock and the share price went up to close to $900. Okay, so basically he's painted for himself a giant bullseye around Tesla. He has, and that's what caused a little bit of an issue also because he, you know, had to stop his, uh, he got off Twitter because the government came after him saying, you know, are you trying to like uh, move the markets by putting up your tweets and all of that, which is a little bit of a weird situation because, you know, Elon Musk does that all the time <laughs> and it doesn't make a difference, right? But it, it is what it is. But but coming to, you know, just Tesla overall, uh, personally, I've been, I've been uh, burnt shorting the stock. So, you know, big caveat, I'm not touching this stock pretty much ever again. <laughs> but no. things are not going so well for it, right? Like uh, the Chinese, uh, the China expansion plans have been put on hold. All of this mess that's going on with like him tweeting diamond hands yesterday, yeah. backtracking on Bitcoin, that Tesla will not accept it after only like a month ago saying that they will accept it. And the rationale is really wishy-washy, right? Like the whole environmental aspect of mining Bitcoin is something that everyone has been saying for the past like five, six years, because 75% of Bitcoin is mined in China, which is primarily electricity is derived from burning coal. So there's nothing new, but it's just a very weird situation where, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm sure Elon Musk is having an absolute blast by moving the cryptocurrency markets up and down like $300 billion on a daily basis. But it's something to question, like, you know, what exactly is Tesla standing for? Leave aside the whole issue of regulatory credit, right? So they earned close to $1.6 billion in 2020 from selling regulatory credit, which is primarily done to other automakers to offset their carbon footprint. Even in you know Q4 of 2020, they earned something like $400 million of reg credit, and they showed a net income of just shy of $300 million. So all of these profits, quote-unquote, that Tesla is highlighting – is on the back of selling off regulatory credit. Not to mention that their revenue hasn't increased dramatically and all of that stuff, but you know, it brings back to the question, is the unit economics of Tesla, does it make sense or not? And definitely does it make sense for a company that's valued at over $500 billion, even after the 30% price correction, which is the sum value of the remaining, like the next seven or eight largest car manufacturing companies in the world. All right. So not an easy replicable short from Bari that we can all take a leaf out of. Thanks. Thank you for going through the details on that and clarifying the headlines, actually, Aaron. Let's move on to C, the New York listed firm. We like talking about C here. Uh, some analysts say its cash burn is worth um, analyzing in greater detail. But C announced earlier this week that it booked revenue of some $1.8 billion for the first quarter, up 147% year on year and that its net loss widened from four to four hundred and twenty two million, I should say, from two hundred and eighty one million dollars. So C has seen meteoric growth on stock markets during the pandemic because remember it owns Shopee, Shop is turning to the internet. Its market cap now at hundred and thirteen billion dollars, but C is expected to face increased competition in Southeast Asia uh, when it comes to online shopping. Tokopedia, remember, uh, has just announced its tie-up with Gojek, merging to create a multi-billion dollar company called Go2. But if we just focused on C in particular, revenue double, net loss up 50%. What are the key numbers that you are looking at and how do you explain this difference? 
I think when it comes to C, you know, it, it's always important, firstly, to take a look at its cash cow, right? Shopee is obviously, you know, one of it, the e-commerce vertical. But first and foremost, what enabled C to get into Shopee, to get into C-Money, which is the third vertical of banking, is Garena, right, which is their game developer. And that has seen, you know, phenomenal amounts of traction in terms of global gamer audience for a whole host of their games. So from that regard, the numbers that came out uh, from C, I think it was yesterday or day before, uh, they've seen phenomenal traction in increase of the amount of money that gamers are spending uh, on their platform. Shopee, obviously, the GMV has done phenomenally well also, Mm -hmm. tremendous growth. The reason for the loss increase, though, was Mm -hmm. primarily on the back of a huge increase in sales and marketing expense. You know, you rightfully mentioned the whole aspect of competition coming up. Competition of Tokopedia and Gojek in Southeast Asia. Grab, obviously, uh, you know, listing uh, via an SPAC in the U.S. will give them a lot of additional ammunition to get into this space also, obviously. And C's been expanding into uh, Latin America, where they face Mercado Libre, which is also a publicly traded uh, company over there. So there is, you know, when you get into e-commerce and obviously Amazon, if it ever decides to go into the U.S., and Amazon, for that matter, is in Singapore, at least, and looking to expand into Southeast Asia. So they're, you know, stepping up into a space, especially e-commerce, that is extremely competitive with very, very deep wallet uh, competitors. So from a headline basis, you know, Shopee, uh, obviously, you know, a, a lot of consumers use that pla- e-commerce platform. But in terms of monetization, in terms of why is E valued at $117 billion is first and foremost, primarily on the back of their gaming platform. But they're also smart about this, right? Like they realize games can potentially be fickle. You know, a couple of their games that have been doing phenomenally well after a year or two, it might not be. I mean, we all remember those days of Pokemon where people were running around Singapore taking pictures and all of that, of, uh, you know, trying to like, identify those creatures mm-hmm. through their app. But it, that, that thing suddenly fades away. Yeah. So how do they try to monetize that user base? Shopee is fantastic. And now they have to get into the financial aspect, which is see money. And that's what their big draw is going to be over the next couple of months. They've acquired some banks in Indonesia, like some small ones, and they'll have to get into lending in a big way, where again, they face huge competition in terms of the well-established banks. So the big question mark and the whole aspect of what people are, you know, that have pumped up the value of C from like, you know, as low as $25, $30 back in the beginning of 2020, up to $225, so like a 10x growth over a year and a half, yes, has been on the back of Shopee becoming a lot more of a household name, but also with the hope that they will be able to monetize this really well uh, through C-Money. So I think that's a big question mark. Things seem to be shaping out quite well. I know the share price corrected a fair amount, and that's on the back of you know extremely inflated expectations because mm-hmm. that's where the share price trades at right now. EBITDA was close to, I think it was around $90 million profit from a $70 million loss, but expectations were close to double that, about $170 million. So, uh, you know, is, uh, is this something, is this a stock that I would be buying into right now? Personally, uh, probably not, coming from the whole 
you know, more value investing school of thought. Hmm. But has the company actually done really well in terms of metrics and growth? Absolutely. So if the view of your listener is that they will truly be able to break into uh, the financial aspect, like the financial vertical, which is lending more money to the users of Shopee, then by absolutely, like, you know, by that regard, $115 billion market cap valuation for the stock is not that absurd. Really well said. Um, I know you're a gamer. Have you tried Garena Free Fire? That's the one that apparently millions of dollars have been spent on. I actually forgot the name, so I guess that goes to show that I'm really not a gamer. <laughs> it's a battle royale game. I wanted to know what, whether you agreed that it deserves all its popularity. Apparently, best popular vote game by Google Play Store. People love it. It's crazy, you know, Michelle, like just 10, 20 years ago when I was a little bit more into gaming, I would Uh, say, the aspect of gaming was you spend, I don't know, $20 or $50 or $100, you purchase the game, and then you're kind of good to go. But now, you know, the entire business model of the gaming industry is completely changed. You get the game for free, but then you have all these skins and all these instruments that you can buy in-game and they've made it so beautifully, like, seamless. It, it, it's literally taking Amazon's one-click shopping policy and plugging it into games and putting that on steroids. The numbers are just absolutely mind-boggling. Personally, I would never, ever have been able to envision this, but, you know, you're talking about, like, a multi-billion dollar industry right now. So hats off to uh, the entrepreneurs who got into it. Wow, incredible. So you're entering an ecosystem where your money just gets sucked in to buy guns and skins, basically, with these games? And so easily and efficiently. Like, it's not that you have to, you know, like, pause the game for a lot of time and then think about it. And then it's become as easy as e-commerce, but again, on steroids, right? Because it's such a competitive environment when you're playing in this game. You can either spend a month of trying to like, you know, go into a whole bunch of battles and try to slowly level up, which is, you know, the few gaming technology words that I know about, or you can just spend like $50 or $100 and suddenly you're at that level. And you just multiply that by the millions of gamers that are out there, especially during this COVID lockdown, yeah. where you kind of have nothing else to do other than buy Bitcoin, I guess. Mm-hmm. You've got to play games. And that's what's uh, reflecting in the share price of not just C, but a whole bunch of uh, online gaming companies. Gosh, interesting insights there. All right, let's turn to another game. But this time the game is in one of the biggest meme stocks, GameStop and AMC. So I was reading an article in Market Watch that said that a social media sentiment tracker says um, that a new short squeeze could be brewing for either one very soon. What do you think? I don't know, you know, like, I, I think, I, I mean, I read that Market Watch article, I think that was a couple of days ago. And then yesterday, we saw this huge flush out in terms of the cryptocurrency space. And a lot of these investors who are in, uh, not the initial investors in GameStop, right? Like Michael Burry, mm. the guy who we were talking about in the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. he was actually long GameStop uh, way back, like in twenty. Uh, like before this whole hoo-ha happened, right? Like in Q4 of 2020, that was one of his big positions, which he sadly got out of after like a 30 or 40% price appreciation because he was playing on the aspect of the financial markets have got this wrong where over 100% of its outstanding shares have actually been shorted. 
but what's gone what 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 this what's happened from that point onwards is more of uh it's going to be you know gorillas versus snakes and diamond hands versus paper hands mm. and it's it's gone it's got a life of its own mm. the problem is that life has been created by a lot of retail investors who sure you know like it, the company's short float is nowhere nearly the insane levels it used to be in the beginning of this year so from that regard a crazy short squeeze a little bit of a question mark i would say and let's not forget the same retail investors have put in a lot of money into crypto and yesterday if you just opened up any cryptocurrency uh you know price uh, wish list or whatever it was down anywhere from like 20% to like 45 50% ether bitcoin uh dogecoin you name it like across the board and there were many valid rationales for that right like china talking about how they're going to crack down on this tesla obviously uh back and forth elon musk saying uh tesla's not going to accept it but then diamond hands and then you obviously had the fed coming out a couple of days back where they were also mentioning that okay it seems like inflation is there we think it's still transient but we are not 100% sure mm. let's just use this meeting to say that we will potentially start talking about tapering of asset purchases do you think that's the fed preparing the, the market for inevitable um pullbacks absolutely they they're keeping the door open wherein they can you know this gives them an out where yes they've always been saying inflation can overshoot 2% inflation came up at over 4% the nfp numbers were quite terrible but like close to like 250000 not as compared to over a million dollar expectation but you know the, the bottom line is if inflation keeps rising and we've seen this the term inflation coming up from a whole host of quarterly earnings reports of CEOs from Procter and Gamble, uh Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger were talking about in Berkshire Hathaway, especially in home construction that they saw across the board, right? So we are seeing inflation numbers pick up. Is it transient or not? Nobody knows obviously, neither does the Fed for that matter, but they need to start changing their uh wordings to the market to let them know that starting from the next meeting there will be a lot more chatter around this. So this aspect of you know zero interest rates forever is definitely not going to be on the horizon leave alone potentially for the next 2 years now so with that being said if inflation does pick up interest rates start do start going up this whole question mark of you know taking your money and keeping it in, keeping it in cash right now is obviously you know you're earning nothing hence let's punt around and put it into cryptocurrency that's starting to start you know cracks are starting to appear in that story so let's see how this eventually shapes up Personally I am of the opinion that the Fed will have to start raising interest rates a little bit earlier than what the market is forecasting right now and that can cause quite a bit of reverberations in the cryptocurrency space. Gosh. All right, uh, just back on crypto for a minute because you know we, we talked about the big sell off but at the same time we did see traders buying back in quite quickly do you think there are parallels there between what's happening in the crypto market and amc and gamestop agreed right like there there, there is i i mean the the aspect of the fed saying that they will start talking about asset uh, tapering of asset purchases etc etc is well and good it does not belie the fact that there's just so much capital that is out there right now looking to try and take advantage of this volatility 
And I was talking to a couple of hedge front fund friends of mine, mm-hmm. you know, late last night when this correction was happening, mm-hmm. and they were actually scaling in certain amounts of money post uh, the cryptocurrency washout of 25, 30%. Because, you know, taking a step back again, mm-hmm. you're kind of back to levels just at the, you know, like four or five months ago. So this aspect of insane amounts of volatility in cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. as well as GameStop and AMC, is something that investors are getting a little bit more used to. Mm. But the problem always comes in, you know, where retail investors are sadly the last ones holding the bag, where leverage is increased typically at the highest points of the underlying share price or underlying price of the asset. And that is where the number of people who got stopped out, they couldn't access their accounts, these platforms shut down apparently, it caused a lot of issues, right? And it really depends on, we've, we've seen, you know, Bit, Bitcoin went from 20,000 down to 3,500, then up to 60,000, now down to 38,000. Like, in, there are huge swings where, sure, if you're, you know, you have those fast fingers and you're able to trade in and out of these markets, by all means. Is this something that investors or retail investors should be, taking parts on, especially in an, a leveraged manner, mm. I would definitely caution against that. I mean, you're getting 60% volatility in like two or three days. Oh, Is there really that much greed out there that you need to try and take leveraged positions on that? Indeed, indeed. Unless you have a defibrillator at home, I'd stay away from <laughs> the whole scene. Arun, thank you so much for joining us with Fabulous Insights as always. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. He's Arun Pai, Chief Strategy Officer at Flow, and you've been listening to Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.